This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Joe DiMaria got his start in the internet space back in 2011. At the time, he was, in his own words, broke, dumb, and successful at failing in business over and over again. And then a shift in mindset would occur. After discovering and absorbing himself in the world of online marketing, he developed a burning desire to join the Genius Network. Years of study, trial and error, and business development would occur before he finally found himself part of the group and network. But this was only the beginning. Something crazy happened. After several unsuccessful attempts at developing an online course, a moment of brilliance would help Joe discover a new way to create and teach online courses that actually inspired action in people. This idea became Dynamic Ascension Training, an 80-20 teaching system that focuses on breaking down even the most complicated skill sets into simple, digestible training programs. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. You know, I just read your introduction and I, I've got to jump. I got to jump into the interview right from here. It says that you were broke dumb and successful at failing in business over and over again. And when I when I first read that when you sent it to me a couple of weeks ago, then I read it in the introduction. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, how many people can relate to that? They won't admit it like you did, but they are struggling with that. And I've got this theory and I'd love to know what you think of this. I believe Pareto's principle, the 80-20 guy, sure. is alive and well. 80% of people on social media don't have a clue what they're doing. 20% do. 80% in real estate are not making money. 20% are. So do you think in business, in solopreneurship, in entrepreneurship, Pareto's principle is alive and well? Yeah. I mean, I would say that if you look at a lot of the folks that have talked about 80-20, I mean, I there's been book after book after book on on kind of modern versions of uh of Pareto and you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if it's more like 90 10 95 wow. 5 you know there's in my career for example right I I think a lot of what we do is trial and error and I think a lot of what makes us successful is how well we can focus on sort of the art or the act of learning itself right so there are tons of examples with what you know. What I do today is I work with a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of corporations that are sort of stuck in that one to two million zone. They hit the ceiling. They have no idea how to get through. And it's amazing to me still after doing this for so long that everybody still has like the same three problems and they all end up hitting their cap at some point and they fail over and over again. And they fail the same way, right? They mm -hmm. just hit a ceiling. So whether that ceiling is happening to you at $20,000 a year and you're just starting out or it's happening at 500000 or at $2 million or whatever, we all have these perceived ceilings. And you know, there's only a small percent of us that are actually capable on our own of breaking through that ceiling. And that is your 5% or your 10% or according to Pareto, maybe your 20%. Out of the 80% that do sort of, you know, there's that attrition rate, right? We know that the average business, I think 93.7% of businesses, according to the um, Department of Labor and Statistics, close within the first five years. Mm. So if you want to take Pareto there, you know, 90 plus percent. 
Wow. And I love how you mentioned on our own. And I remember the biggest aha I ever had is when I first invested in a coach. Because I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to go to Google. I was trying to read these books. But I think the best shortcut you can ever have in life is to hire a coach because they've already been there. And I remember my first coach was a Tony Robbins result coach. And I remember telling the guy who was coaching me, I'm like, I want to get to a point where I'm like Tony Robbins and I don't need coaches. And he goes, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, I want to get to a point like Tony Robbins when I don't need a coach. He goes, do you think Tony doesn't have coaches? I'm like, wait, did you say coaches? He goes, yes, Tony's got like seven coaches. I'm like, but the guy's like a mega successful uh, entrepreneur, trainer, motivational speaker. He goes, and how do you think he got there and stays there? And that was mind blowing to me to realize that if you want to continue to be the best you can be, you cannot go it alone. Well, I think that's always the truth, right? I mean, if you look at most folks, I mean, Tony will say this even in his own story. I mean, I, I know in my own career, but the whole cliche of we stand on the shoulders of giants thing is it's a really big it's a really big deal. Like it, there's a reason why, I mean, every cliche is somewhat true, right? That's kind of the whole yep. point of cliches. So I know even for me, right? I, I dropped out of college when I was 18 and started a marketing agency. Guess who was not prepared to start a business or, or guess who did not understand marketing when he did that? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was doing what you said. I was Googling you know, what do marketers do every day? Like, how does this is back when we were doing like web 2.0 and social media was starting to just become mm. a thing. And I was taking YouTube and Google certifications. I was a Google partner. I was doing all the different things that I thought I could do to be active that I thought would give me a business and an outcome. And none of them did anything, right? I ended up being a well-informed failure rather than a successful whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the the kicking point for me was discovering the I Love Marketing podcast, actually, which is Joe Polish's show. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but what ended up happening was I started listening to that show and I, there's a whole harrowing tale about how I found that. But uh, Joe became like my first mentor. And I looked and, you know, Joe's worked with Tony Robbins and he's worked with Richard Branson and he's worked with all these different people. And he's just explaining the fundamentals of how, you know, he does things and how he thinks. And I could start taking those different bits and bobs as an 18 or a 19 year old kid that had, you know, two pennies to rub together and I could start building something. And I think a lot of the mistakes that we make is, again, we are relying on ourselves to invent a solution to a problem mm-hmm. where the solutions already exist. They're in other people's back pockets. There's there's more solutions Joe Polish or Tony or you have you know, found and forgotten about than what we could invent on our own when we're at the beginning of our careers. And it, leaning on other people is our opportunity to do that. And there's something really important that you said in there, in case the listener missed it, there's learning and there's implementing. As a matter of fact, I just finished listening to Tony Robbins' new book, Life Force, and and he talks about, he said something I've heard him say a thousand times, when you make a decision, you have to take some action. 
Action is where success grows from, not the knowledge. You need to have the knowledge, okay? So if you want to start a YouTube channel and you don't know how to operate a camera, you don't even know what YouTube is, you have to do learning, you have to get the knowledge, but then you have to start doing something. And I think a lot of people become hoarders of knowledge. They're taking all the courses, Mm -hmm. hiring all the coaches, they're doing all the conferences, but they're not doing anything with the information. And they wonder, well, I did all these things, it's not it's, I'm not growing. I'm like, because you're not doing anything with the information you got. You have to take that knowledge, whether it's from me or you or Tony or anybody else, and actually go implement it. Absolutely. I mean, I, if you look at, I mean, I go to events, I do conferences, I do, you know, I do Genius Network and I do these different mastermind groups, and they're filled with people that everybody looks up to, right? We've all read their books. You know, there's the the Tony Robbinses of the world, the Tim Ferrisses, all these different people are in these rooms. Well, there's a big reason why they're coming to these events. Like, you know, the the Tonys, the Tims, the Damon Johns that are sitting in these groups, they're not doing it because they're there just to learn and then leave. They're hearing something, they're calling their teams and they're telling them to start implementing it. They're hearing something um, and they're discovering a new idea, a new process, and they're immediately hiring the the speaker, the speaker's team. People in those rooms are not there to learn so much as they are to get a shortcut to implementation. And that's really what a lot of folks are are focusing on. Like there's a, there's a huge amount of game-changing principle around being a better quality learner. And the biggest thing, the final stage of any any learning process is implementation, right? In some way, shape, or form. Um, in fact, I, I actually went through a whole process um, of uh, with Genius Network a couple years ago where I designed a implementation sheet for anybody in their audience. Now, these are people that pay 25000 or or 100000 depending on the tier, per year to be in that mastermind. And I developed a, an entire process for how to implement any speaker's um, talk, right? You know, and it, was, it was simple questions that were, you know, what were the steps the speakers actually gave? What are the potential, you know, like stumbling blocks in between those steps? Who is going to do this? You, your team, or are you hiring the speaker's team? Do you need an accountability partner to actually do this? And we went through and we made sure that people that wanted to implement a new thing they were learning had an understanding of the skills, the steps that would be required, where they had holes in their knowledge, who they were accounting on to actually do this thing, and did they need somebody that was going to keep them accountable. And when you have those factors in place, all of a sudden, you can really start moving the needle beyond where you are traditionally comfortable, whether that's you have technology challenges. A lot of the entrepreneurs I talk to are not technically proficient, or maybe it's a skills challenge. Maybe you want to launch a new program, but you are terrible at writing copy. Maybe you want to go start teaching, but you're nervous about being live like you and I are right now or something like that. Aptitude comes from really understanding what the skill gap is so that we can take those little pieces of it and start to really play with what I call toy problems, right? You know, the the lower stakes version of the bigger problem so we can inoculate ourselves against that fear. So if you're afraid of speaking on stage, it's not a bad idea to do what I did for two, three years and teach live in office hours 
and have, you know, 20, 30, 40 people come in and see you teach live and talk to those people and inoculate yourself against that fear. Right. And if you go back and you look at the origin of a Gary Vaynerchuk or a Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey, they weren't speaking to packed arenas back then. They were speaking to very small venues. But we see them now. We're like, oh, man, look at all the people that follow Tony. He started with one follower just like everybody else. But one of the biggest obstacles I see people when it comes to coaches and courses and conferences is a matter of cost. Like, oh, man, I can't afford that. Here's the deal. Tony Robbins infamously says it's not a question of resources. It's a question of resourcefulness. But when people tell me they can't afford, whether it's my coaching or your coaching or whatever, I'm like, okay, do you subscribe to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Do you go to Starbucks? And I and when I start asking these questions, they're like, what's that got to do with anything? You just told me you have no money. What's more important, that latte at Starbucks? I Fortunately, I don't have a Starbucks habit. Or do you want to get better? There's ways to find money. You can cut your expenses down to the bones if you really want to go to Unleash the Power Within or Date with Destiny or some other conference. There's a way you can do it. But don't allow, you're hearing Joe and I talk here, don't allow that experience, that power of knowledge of getting in connection with this this information is going to take you to the next level, stop you just because of money. And things are not cheap, but I believe you go to something like Tony or Grant or whatever, the amount of money you pay, you're going to get 10 times the value. If you pay attention and you implement, it's going to serve you well. But I just want to interject there. A lot of people are letting the money, the resources stop them from doing what they should do to thrive. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, if I look back at a lot of the folks over my career that I've seen come and go, right? We we talked about ninety three point six percent go out of business in five. I think the stats for uh, ten years is like ninety seven point three percent, something crazy. So that means in the time that I've been around, most of the people I started with are gone. Right? There's a very select few people that actually survived. The people that survive are people that actually invest money in surviving, which is a big shock, I'm sure. Yep. But you tend to not survive if you just try to hunker down for a decade, right? It, it doesn't really work that way. I, I can give you, you know, a, an example of that. When when I just found Joe Polish's podcast, I was 19. I didn't know what I was doing. I, <laughs> and I was working in Silicon Valley as a marketer with all these tech companies. And I was still Googling every day, you know, what does a marketer do? How does, <laughs> how does this social media thing work? You know what? Like I was going through the process of learning and I get a few episodes into this podcast that I'm now binging. Right. <laughs> and Joe starts talking about, and his co-host is Dean Jackson. I want to make sure I give Dean plenty of credit too, but, um, Joe starts talking about this thing called Genius Network. And it's incredible. He's listening off all the people that are in it. It's $25,000 a year. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as a mastermind at this time, right? That was still brand new. And I think Joe's mastermind was the first 25K mastermind, right? And it, so the, obviously, when you have $2 that are huddling together for warmth, $25,000 is a bridge too far. But I remember sitting there in my 
horrible little like rundown house with, you know, no air conditioning and a 106 degree day and just being completely miserable thinking like, I don't know how, I don't know when, but one day I'm going to walk into that room. And so I continued binging. I mean, I was probably 75 or a hundred episodes behind. And the cool thing about poverty is you have plenty of time on your hands. So I was able to catch up within a week or two of listening pretty much 24 hours a day. And over the next, let's say year or two, I finally got to the point where I didn't have 25,000, but I'd heard that you could do just one event a year with them, right? Because Genius is, is three events a year. Mm-hmm. You could go to just the annual event and it was only $10,000. Ah, okay. Now, if I looked in my bank account then, I there were more than $2 huddling together for warmth, but I certainly didn't have $10,000 of, you know, just like comfortable money, let's call it. And I had to beg, borrow, steal, do whatever I could to get another like six, seven grand to be comfortable being able to pay my rent, pay for my my lifestyle, which was not exactly uh, a fancy living, right? It was still it was the top ramen rice and beans culture until we got, <laughs> you know, more stable. But I ended up begging Dan Cashel, who was the gatekeeper at the time, because to be ingenious, you had to make over a million a year. I can guarantee you I wasn't there. And I begged Dan Cashel over eight different phone calls, just bugged the heck out of him to give me the shot to show up and just provide value. I said, I'm, I'm not there to sell anything. I'm not there to, you know, what I, what we would say, pimp or pander mm-hmm. our, uh, our services out. I just want to, to be there to listen, to be part of the community. And if I can help people, I'll give them advice. If they want to work with me, they can. I will not make any offers. And so after a while, they let me send the wire, which was a very scary moment when you don't have a lot of money and you're sending 10 grand to someone. <laughs> and that event was responsible for about $360,000 in sales. Wow. And so that was like the first time. And it also was the first time I met Joe in person. It was the first time that I'd made relationships with half of the people that became clients years later. Right. I'm, I'm still pulling clients from Genius Network years later. It also was the start of me being on Joe's podcast, the podcast that got me started, which is really amazing and kind of cathartic. Right. Yeah. So five, six years after. Um, and that podcast episode alone was responsible for several hundred thousand dollars in revenue. So, you know, nothing is expensive if you do the work. 10,000 isn't anything if you go and implement. 25,000 isn't anything if you go and implement. Um, it's just uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable is part of entrepreneurship. I can guarantee you. If you are comfortable, you are probably regressing. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. My favorite quote from Steve Harvey, he says, if you ever want to be successful, 
You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is what you did. Now, I want to go back to something you said about you didn't know how. Now, about two months ago, I created a big, hairy, audacious goal or a big mission for my my life, my business life. And that is I w- I'm obsessed with helping 100 million solopreneurs bust through overwhelm by 2032. The number one question I get is, how are you going to do that? I don't know. I mean, some through the podcast, some through social media, some through my coaching, some through my membership, but I don't worry about the how. I'll figure out the how. But having that huge goal drives me every single day. I wake up excited seven days a week to serve whoever I can serve that day. And I think so many people are, they're focusing on the negative aspects of worry, anxiety, lack of money. They're living in a poverty mindset because a mindset Poverty versus abundance, as you know, has nothing to do with actual money. How can you do how you think about money? And I always tell people, stop worrying. I I cannot name you one successful person out there anywhere in the world that got to where they are by worrying. Now, I know it's easy to say, don't worry. Be happy with all that good stuff. But you have to get your mindset right because if you are so anxious, you you are so tight, you are so frustrated, money's not going to flow to you. Money is is very sensitive and it doesn't flow to people who are anxious, who are worried, who are stressed, who are living in a poverty mindset. Do you agree with that? Well, I think there's a huge thing to be said about abundance being an energy for sure. Um, you know, I, I'll say this. Not and I, I don't think this is uh, disagreeing with you, but I think it, it's also an interesting thing for folks to think about. Most of the successful people I know are inherently anxious or depressed people, but they just don't make decisions from that that point of view, hmm. right? I mean, uh, it is a very stressful position to be running a company with a thousand employees or with five thousand employees. It's a very stressful position to be. You know, handling uh, the the private wealth of billionaires, um, and to be building your own business while doing that. I mean, stress and anxiety and depression are unfortunately part of modern life uh, more than they've ever been before. And you can blame whatever you want for that. You can say it's social media culture. You can say it's all these different things that have poisoned the minds of our of our youths and, and yada yada yada. But the reality is, having those those limitations in your mind is stopping you from actually moving forward Mm, instead of it being a condition that we just say, okay, that's there. We can acknowledge it. Let's not make decisions from that place. Let's leverage someone else, right? If I'm anxious, like, so for me, right, I'll give you an example. For as long as I can remember, I have been an anxiety basket case, right? And I've had, I've developed over the past few years, this nice little depressive kicker that comes in every few months that makes me not want to do anything. Okay. Well, if I make decisions from that point of view, then the company shuts down. I can't help people. If I need to take a month off because I go into some weird depressive state, that doesn't help anyone. But if I look at that and I acknowledge that and I say, okay, I need a team that can step up when I can't, I can hire for that. Or if I say, okay, well, this is an issue that pops up over and over again in my life. What entrepreneur, like what friends of mine, what entrepreneurs, what, what amazing executives or coaches do I know 
that also struggle with the same depressive thing or the same anxiety thing, can I use money as a leverage tool or relationships as a leverage tool to learn how they deal with that thing so that my limitation is not what is stopping me from moving forward? Like One thing I will tell anybody listening to this is you are not in the coaching business, the finance business, the the medical business. You're not a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist. What you're into, what you do on a day-to-day basis is you are in the leverage business. And your failure to acknowledge that and to create leverage where you are, are currently stuck is what is forcing you into that regressive state. It's what's stopping you from moving forward, right? You are in the leverage business. And the minute you can acknowledge that, you will propel forward. I I love that because it is so powerful to hear someone on this show, such as yourself, to point that out. I think a lot of people know that, but they know it subconsciously and they're not living as if that's the truth. And I think... Knowing, and it goes back to what we said earlier, implementing and knowing, knowing and actually living it are two entirely different things. And when you were talking about, you know, these people ahead of these big companies, I, I, I started thinking about Tony Robbins when he had nobody. And now he's got this Tony Robbins um, empire. Mm-hmm. And I, he, he's got to be under a lot of stress because he's responsible for a lot of people, a lot of followers, a lot of attendees to events. And you got to think, I mean, he, he comes off as like, you know, he's happy go lucky. He's got the right mindset, but that's a lot of pressure to be at the pinnacle. We all, Oh, I can't, I wish I was a Mark Zuckerberg. You know, what's pressure Mark Zuckerberg's under or right. any, any CEO, I don't, you name the organization. It's a lot of pressure. They don't work 40 hours a week and then go home and take an hour for lunch, or whatever. It's a lot of pressure. We don't see that because they have, they have equipped themselves so well to lead their companies. And we sure. see the out, the exterior, how it's, they're confident and bold. But inside, if you could get in their brain, they're, Nobody goes through life without stress. You're 100% right on that. We all have stress. We all deal with different ways. So I want to thank you for bringing up about we are in the leverage business because most people, they need to think more about that. Absolutely. I mean, I'll give you uh, an example. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in what it was literally a four-story wizard's tower in Austin, Texas, that one of the greatest copywriters of all time built for himself. He clear cut the top of a hill in Austin and built a chapel, uh, a wizard's tower, two hotels, (laughs) uh, uh, a guest center, a distillery, a gym. You know, it's like it's his own playground. Wow. And so every year there's an invitation only thing for probably 20 of us and our spouses. And we all go and we stay at this, you know, wizard academy thing. And it's just a who's who of you know, everyone who I idolized over a decade ago when I was sitting, you know, sitting there waiting for my, my ramen to boil. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it, it is surreal and cool to be in that room, but I was sitting there and Joe Polish is there and all these different people are there. And the subject of Tony came up. So one of our friends that's there is a very successful chiropractor out of Boston. And he said, I've been watching Tony lately 
And I can see it in his body, in the way he moves, that he's really having trouble with this part of his back. Hmm. And I don't know if he knows it, right? I don't know if anybody's advising him on this. Can someone in this room introduce me to Tony so I can help him fix it? And Joe Polish stood up immediately and pulled out his phone and grabbed our buddy, Dr. Pete, and started recording and said, you know, Tony, this is, this is my friend, Pete. He's a chiropractor. He notices something with you. Would you be, you know, would you give him a call so he can work on you? The reason that shows up is because Tony is marching around on stage all the time. He's traveling all the time. He's, you know, he's constantly wearing his body down. Mm-hmm right? Stress, anxiety, all these things can show up uh, physiologically, like they could be a physical thing, it could be a mental thing. And in that case, you have a leverage tool, someone that uses Joe Polish as leverage to help Tony. And Tony, whose relationship with Joe is giving him leverage to solve something he might not even be aware of. There's this wonderful relational experience when we use leverage properly. Right. It's why I'm such a big relationship person. For me, my way of of getting into leverage was always to try to discover where were my hubs. Right. In in my early doors career, I would have relationships with people that were at my level. Guess what? All of them are out of business a decade later. <laughs> The way you move through the next level is by being in relation with people that are beyond you because they will pull you up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their knowledge, their relationships, their experiences pull you up a level. So let's say there's, I, I always say there's like five levels, right? There's, there's a beginner, there's a rookie, there's a, the stable entrepreneur, right? There's the expert, and then there's the broadcaster. Broadcasters are are one in a billion, right? They're your Oprahs, your Tonys, your Brendans, your Gary V's. These are people that literally get paid to just be who they are in the morning when they wake up at this point, yep. right? Every expert wants to be a broadcaster. Very, very few do. It's, experts, okay, to thri- it's okay to strive for that, by the way. So we don't want to dis- we don't want to discourage you. Just realize oh, no. that you getting there is a really tough journey. Absolutely. If those people didn't try to be there, they wouldn't be there. Mm. But few people make it. And there's reasons why few people make it. Part of it is we get comfortable, yep. right? So the, the expert level people right below are making at least a million dollars a year. They're successful. They, they can get comfortable. And sometimes, depending on who you are, you might not want an empire. Okay. I used to think I wanted to be a billionaire until I started working in Silicon Valley and I met billionaires. I said, okay, 200 million would be great. And I met people with 200 million and they were miserable. And then I said, okay, 50 would be awesome. (laughs) And every year, year over year, I would see my personal goal went lower. I didn't want the empire I thought I wanted. And that's why some people stop at experts. And I think that's totally reasonable. Okay. So your own goals, your own life is what is going to determine whether or not you get there. But when we look at our experts and we kind of go down tier by tier by tier, you, know, you start to see 
some pretty significant differences emerge in the mentality of these different folks. And they, they cover all of the things that we've talked about today, right? It's rookies and beginners are afraid to invest in anything. So they become addicted to information, but they have no way of telling what information is good or not, right? They're just digesting. Okay. And if you went and you indiscriminately ate everything you saw, you are bound to make yourself sick at some point, mm. right? You're going to digest something that is not good for you. You, you have no filter, right? When you get to stable, those are folks that are in the six figure range where they could do no advertising, make no real effort, but no matter what, they'll make six figures. Okay. This is, you know, you get the right referral once or twice a year. You get, um, some stable little business pops throughout the year and you maybe make 200 grand. Fine. Experts are your seven figures. Broadcasters are your one in a millions. When we look at how we progress at every tier, the stable entrepreneur moves to expert when they befriend the experts. Why? Mm. Because the quality of an expert's clientele, their relationships, their friendships are all people that have expert level lives and businesses. They can afford more, right? If you are in stability and you want to move to expert, being surrounded by experts and broadcasters is 100% the way to do that. Okay. Some of us get really lucky and we have almost no business. And then we befriend a broadcaster. I can think of two dozen people that befriended Brendan Burchard had no business and then became, you know, multimillionaires within 18 months because Brendan is a hub. Yeah. Joe Polish is a hub. Tony is a hub, right? So at every tier, you need to acknowledge honestly where you sit and you need to look at the people you're spending your time with. Because if they, if you're surrounding yourself with people at your level or below, they can be wonderful people, but they are not pushing you to be better. They're not allowing you to leverage into the next level. Charlie Tremendous Jones, the late Charlie Tremendous Jones used to say in five years, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. So you should reach up in case you missed all the brilliance that Joe just shared with us. Reach up, get out of your comfort zone, reach up. Tony's going to be friends with somebody. Brendan's going to be friends with somebody. Grant Cardone's going to be friends with somebody. I'm not saying he's going to be, they're going to be your friend. I'm just saying reach up. So I try not to hang around people who are the Eeyores from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Woe is me. I want to retire. I, I try to distance myself. I want to hang around with people like you and the other people you mentioned on the show because I want to reach up. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and laying down so much incredible knowledge and insights. I know people are going to want to know more about you and what you're doing in the world. So how can they do that? There's a few ways you can do that. We're actually going to kickstart a new podcast in the next couple of weeks about my uh, the, sort of the art of learning. And I'm going to bring a lot of the folks that we mentioned today, like the Joes and people like that on Excellent. to talk about their experience as learners too, and what they did to get leverage. And uh, then the other thing you can do is you, know, you can go find me on Instagram. I, I'm, I'll be honest, I don't really do social media, folks. So <laughs> like, what, I'll, what I can commit to is I'm probably not going to post much because I don't care about my public image. That's not something that I really do. 
But if you want to DM me there and ask questions about how you do get to that next level person or, or what kind of hub you should be targeting, I'm 100% always happy to talk to you and point you in the right direction. Um, whether that's if you're asking me to introduce you to Tony Robbins, no, I will not. I don't know you. Um, but you if know you're Tony asking, Robbins? Um, I've been at events with Tony and okay. you know, it's the same thing. Like I'm, so right now I'm raising a round of $5 million for a new company I'm doing with a, a friend. Okay. And that friend ran all uh, a company for Richard Branson for years. Like gotcha. our, our network gets us there. Right. Yeah, always, right. always, always. So it's interesting that you don't do anything on social media. Cause one of my favorite authors is Cal Newport. He wrote deep work mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I love he doesn't do anything on social media, zero. And I just want people to know social media is a tool. You don't have to be on social media to run a successful business. Now, I it, it's been very good to Tony and Brendan and Grant Cardone and Gary Bannerchuk. Really good. They don't need the money anymore, but it's been very good. But you don't, to your point and to Cal Newport's part, you don't need social media. So there's different ways to get to where you want to go. But go find out what you know Joe is doing in the world, and you know re-listen to his podcast if you need. It. If you are walking the dog and you go back and take some notes, you can re-listen to as many times. It's completely free. It's our gift to you, Joe. I want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, I took copious notes because I learned from every one of my guests, and you are no exception. So thank you for being here today. That's a pleasure. Thank you for for having me and just for being able to have a genuine conversation. I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs can learn from you by just not having a, a real goal and really just trying to connect with folks. That is part of the leverage equation, in my opinion. So I think you're an awesome example to heaps of folks that may be just getting started. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.